Ah, good evening. Uh, I just wanted to uh, voice that I am in no way qualified, worthy, uh, good enough. Any any descriptive thing you want to add to it uh, in my abilities and my uh, and myself, good enough to be in front of you tonight. That's it's not uh, me, but the Holy Spirit living in me that. Uh, led me to volunteer for tonight, and I pray that God will use it in some way. Um, but uh, in my text tonight, if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Luke 22, verses 31 and 32. Luke 22, verses 31 and 32. <clears throat> and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, uh, you know my heart. You know, you know what I'm going to try to convey tonight, Lord. And I pray that you just speak through me and give me the words and the abilities to, to convey the message that you've uh, laid on my heart for tonight, Lord. And I pray that uh, it would be beneficial to, uh, to someone here, Lord. Uh, Pray that you would be with the uh, the kids downstairs, Lord, the teens and all the workers. Pray that you just bless and be with them. And pray that you would just bless each one for coming out tonight. And that uh, everything said and done here tonight would bring honor and glory to your name. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> um, so our Sunday school class is going through a series uh, called... Walking Through the Fire, a study from 1 Peter on the trial of your faith. Uh, and I'm going to attempt tonight to give a, a version of a lesson I gave back in August. Um, and it, it, uh, it seemed to help uh, several people. They told me that it was beneficial to them. And I think it's actually beneficial to me to tell the, the story um, because it, it was how God was working in my life <clears throat> for a time. Um, I just wanted to say real quick that I am very thankful for my Sunday school class. They are such a blessing to me. They they don't get up and walk out when I teach. They they even come sometimes when they know I am teaching. So, um, but I appreciate Greg and his teaching. I enjoy uh, being in there and listening to him and uh, just the fellowship and the people. It, it it's really special and I'm I'm glad to be a part of it. Um, but. So when I first started teaching, we finished a series on uh, building below the baseline and building your uh, foundation in Christ. And uh, then we were deciding which one to pick next. And <clears throat> Greg like, loves Joseph, and there was a series on Joseph. And so we went into that series and went through the life of Joseph and the, the picture of, of Christ that we see in him. And, and it was a great, great study and really beneficial. And so then we, we finished that series and... Uh, was trying to decide what to do next. And one of the series was uh, this series, Walking Through the Fire. And I was, you know, I was thinking, well, maybe there's some analogies. I'm a firefighter. Uh, you know, maybe there's some uh, analogies in there that I can use to help convey the messages to, and help, uh, help teach the Sunday school class. And I just was not prepared for God to use me as the main object lesson for me teaching. I... I was not ready for it, um, and I hope that what I, I went through and the struggle I had um, 
can somehow help somebody here tonight. Um, but <clears throat> when you look at Peter, I don't really identify with Peter. Uh, he's bold and brash, and he's out there, and he's always uh, the first one and the loudest, and that's just not me. I, I, I'd rather, much rather be with y'all out there or downstairs. But, um, you know, I, I, I never feel like I have anything worth being heard. Uh, it's not me. I, I don't know. It's just how I'm built. Um, I wouldn't even be a Sunday school teacher if it wasn't for, I came up here on one vision Sunday to sign up for the maintenance ministry and my uncle Randy shoved a clipboard at me for helping with Sunday school. That's how I became a Sunday school teacher. <laughs> Thank you, by the way, because I do enjoy it. Uh, I don't know if anybody else gets anything out of it, but it, it helps me. I, I've really enjoyed it. Um, you know, when you've got to study and know you've got to present to people, it, you know, you you grasp things differently. It it flows differently. It's not just the, the 30 minutes you get from it. You, you are living it and studying it all week. So... Um, it, uh, but that, that's just how, when I look at, um, Peter, I, I don't really see myself in there. Um, but if, as we look at the, the text, I'm sure it's a familiar verse, uh, familiar passage. We all know it, uh, where, you know, Peter's getting ready to deny Christ on, and Christ is on the way to the, the cross. Um, but if we look in, uh, verse 31, we see that, uh, Jesus warns Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired you that he may sift you as wheat. So we see that uh, Jesus tells Peter, hey, Satan, Satan wants you. Satan wants to sift you. Um, now, I, I did this in Sunday school. We'll see how it goes up here. But <laughs> I don't have a wheat sifter. I couldn't find one, but I stole Christie's flour sifter. So, so um and you know, uh, it's the same principle. You know, when you when you uh, sift wheat, you're sifting the wheat from the chaff. You're getting rid of the stuff that you don't want. When you're sifting flour, you're you're sifting to get rid of impurities, to get rid of uh, clumps, uh, the things you don't want in your finished product. So, it, it, it's being sifted is can be a violent process. It's a grinding. It's a breaking up of what's there initially to get a better product in the end. And uh, if we look um, that Satan does, Satan desires to sift us all, he would just soon us all be sifted into dust where we're either unwilling or unable to, to worship, serve, or do anything for Christ. Um, and he's here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, never a dull moment. Uh, and he stuck up on me. That's crazy. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, we see that <clears throat> Satan issues the request, and I'm very thankful as a child of God. Satan has to request before he can even come near me. And he's got to go before God before he can come at me. And God knows exactly what I need when he allows him to come after me. Um, but and, and he is a mighty opponent that we are unable in our own abilities to fight at all. Only through a Holy Spirit working in us, the power of God in us, that we, we can even stand a chance next to him. Um, but the next part 
is part that a lot of people have lost their faith over, a lot of people struggle with, including myself. Why is a loving God who we serve and we love allow us to be sifted? Why would he allow all this heartache and this pain and these problems to come out on, into our lives? And, you know, it, it's not always, it's hard to go to be sifted. It's hard when you're going through the pains of a, of a trial or something that, that, you know, is not what you'd expect it to be. Um, but God did allow Peter to be sifted. And I've already said that the sifting process can be, you know, it's a violent breaking up of, of materials and things. And if you're the one in the sifter, it, it's painful. It can be hard. Um, Satan wanted to sift Peter to destroy him. That's why I think he wanted, he knew Peter and his potential. I think he knew that Peter was the bold, brash, and he would be a great spokesman for Christ, that he would go forth and proclaim his name everywhere. And Satan wanted to destroy him before that ever happened. Um, I think that's why Satan wanted to, to sift Peter. But God had other reasons for allowing the sifting. He needed Peter to be prepared for his ministry going forward. He needed Peter to be a different version of Peter than the one that walked beside him when Jesus was here on this earth. Uh, February 22nd of last year, um, I, I worked for Rockingham County Fire Department. I was in Bridgewater that day. I um, was at work. It's a normal day. Um, well, let me back up for a second. Let me give you a side note. So uh, we came back, I came back to church. I brought my family with me and became members here back in 2019. And God was really working in my life, bringing me back here. You know, dad retired. It was a change in uh, seasons, I guess you could say. And when he brought me back here, uh, he really got a hold of me and started working in my life and doing things I, I didn't have intentions of him doing when, when I got here. I never dreamed I'd be teaching Sunday school or helping Pastor Ken on Wednesday nights or, you know, taking a, a Bible class, college class downstairs. I, not, none of those were my intentions. I, you know, I wanted to come back to church here, but I had no, no way of knowing that he was going to take me and use me in, in the way that he did. Um, and I had joy like I've rarely had in my life and just a, a peace that I uh, can't explain. And I enjoyed the work here. I enjoyed doing the maintenance work and, and just being a part of this family of believers. And then about 1.20 on February 1st, 2022, I'm there in the station and the tones go off. And it, I'll never forget that feeling. It was for shots fired, two officers down, respond to Bridgewater College. And that, that, that feeling that I had that day, uh, it still haunts me today. Um, and, and the aftermath of it was, it was a struggle for me. It was hard. Um, you know, we have classes on, you know, active shooters. If, if there's somebody in the building shooting, how we work with the cops and what we do, I hadn't taken those. So, you know, you give me a cardiac arrest, or a house fire, or a wreck, you know, all things I do pretty regularly, but this, this call, I didn't have the resource, the knowledge, the training to go back on. Um, it turns out none of that really mattered, but um, 
that, that feeling of hopelessness, helplessness just came over me. I was like, I can't, I don't have a gun. I can't, you know, what am I going to do? But I do know there's about a thousand students on that campus, not to mention the campus is right in the middle of Bridgewater where there's thousands of people around. And it just, you know, that totality of that event and just being a part of it really, really impacted me. Um, so we finally do respond, and we're sitting up there in the road off campus waiting for the cops to do their things and, you know, allow us to come into the scene. They were, you know, looking for the suspect. Um, well, the, then finally, we're sitting in the road, and then all of a sudden these cars, like, seem like 30, 40 police cars just come streaming down the road. And the, the suspect had fled and ran off campus. Um, and... The last cop car in that line was the police chief of the Bridgewater College. And he said, follow me, I'm gonna take you in to my officers. And, you know, we get up there and uh, it really wasn't a nasty scene. Both, both of the officers were deceased, nothing we could do, couldn't help them. Um, but as, as we clear out the scene, um, they pull everybody out trying to save any evidence and. They left me there to stand guard over the bodies, and they, they're checking other buildings and um, looking at other things, and I'm standing there just to make sure nothing gets moved, no, you know, we've got a chain of custody with everything, and I'm standing there, and the officer that I knew, because he was the police chief in Grottos, I worked in Grottos for about five years, his phone just started ringing and ringing and ringing. And you could tell it went to voicemail. Somebody else would call or somebody called back, and it was just ringing. And I'm, I'm sitting there for I don't know how long. It seemed like forever. It may have been 10 minutes. I don't know. But it, I just started praying for whoever was on the other side of that line because I couldn't imagine the hurt that they've had to have heard what's going on, and now the, their loved one is not answering the phone, and they'll never speak to them again. Cause, uh, but I just remember that in that moment, the, this this hopeless, helpless despair came over me. Um, and it turns out it wouldn't leave me for a long time. But um, so in the aftermath, they actually let me go home. I was able to go uh, home, sleep in my bed and, you know, hug my wife and kids. And, you know, I was like, I needed that. I just needed to, to be with them. And um, then, you know, I had to be back up there the next morning to give statements and tell them what all we did and what all we touched and uh, for all that stuff for court. And then I remember going home that evening, and I didn't feel the greatest, but this, this despair just wouldn't leave me. It just was hanging on me. And went to bed that night, woke up the next morning, and I felt awful. I, I didn't realize it at the time, but I had COVID, and it just... It wiped me out for a good 48 hours. I was sick, fever, felt awful, and just on the couch in a pit of despair and sick. And I'm like, God, why in the world? What is going on here? I, can't, I mean, I, I'd been for three and a half years so happy, and then this, this wave of despair that I couldn't even explain. But I was able to go to the funeral. And I figured, well, you know, the funeral helped put some closure to this, and I'll, I'll move on. And I went to the funeral, and it did not. It, the, the, that depression, that helplessness, hopelessness was still there. 
and I can't prove it. Our, our modern science and everything, our doctors would tell you I had PTSD or some other mental thing, but I, I honestly think I was in the presence of evil standing on that campus. I don't have any proof. I'll ask God when I get to heaven, but I think Satan himself might have been there that day. I, I don't know that, but this guy, I had evil intentions. He wanted to kill a lot of people, and I have no doubt that Satan was pushing him along or helping him that day. Um, and I don't know that, but either way, I think I was going to be sifted regardless of if it was Satan or not. The, the despair, the the problems I had going forward were real. And I, I won't have you turn there, but in Ephesians 6.12 says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And I, I th I, I'm convinced that I was around some wickedness that day, and it, it affected me, and it, it stole my joy, and I was in a, in a bad place I was sick, and I, you know, once I recovered from that, I was still in the pits. I was still struggling. I, I've, I've ran hundreds, maybe thousands of calls, and some of them way worse, way nastier scenes. People, you know, lose, just lost a loved one. I mean, all kinds of things we deal with. Nothing has ever affected me the way this call did, and it just it tore me down and hurt me in ways that I didn't even know I could hurt. Um, but, you know, I continued on. It, it was hard, um, but I, I said, you know, I, I need, you know, the, there's a biblical uh, answer for uh, depression, and, you know, it's, it's recover, rest, recover, uh, get back around God's people, and then get back in God's work, and I tried doing those things, and I, I stayed in prayer, and, uh, you know, I asked my Sunday school class to pray for me, and I was just struggling so mightily, and it's like nothing Nothing I did made it better. And the things that were giving me so much joy, the being an FBI, the Sunday school class, the, the helping on Wednesday nights became work. They came became something I, I had to do. I didn't want to be there. I, I just had to go do it. I couldn't explain it. And it, it was painful. Uh, and, you know, bring it all the way forward to August 3rd, I'm sitting back at work again. I'm sitting there at the table with a, a guy who's been on my shift for six years, a very good friend of mine, and we're sitting there at the table, and we're listening to the scanner. There's a, a really bad wreck north of the Harrisonburg, and I'm, I'm listening. we're listening to it. And then he gets a phone call, and he gets up and leaves, and I'm sitting there listening, and he comes back, and he says, I think that's my parents. His sister just called. They just left his house. They would have went that way. I think it's them. I said, well, let me make some calls. The good and bad thing about, you know, being in a, this this community I live in, is you know a lot of people, you know the people that respond. Um, but I was able to call the officer on scene, and it's like, hey, is this his dad? And he's actually digging through the glove boxes. I'm on the phone with him. And he said, yeah, it's his dad. I was like, man. And this little 550-pound guy, I love him to death, but he's very emotional. And I was like, I know this is going to kill him. It's, he idolizes his dad, as I do. <laughs> so I said to him, I said, get your stuff. I'm going to take you, take you home. I'm going to, you know, get you wherever you need to go. He did tell me that they took his dad to RMH, 
um, and they were flying his mom to UVA. So he's like, all right, we'll get you to your dad. He's closer. Um, get him in the car, and we're just getting ready to pull in the driveway, and my fire chief calls me. Hey, take him to UVA. Don't, don't go to RMH. Do you know what that means? It's like, yeah, chief, I do. Do you want me to tell him? He said, no, I'm on my way. I'll meet you there. We'll tell him to go. So we, I don't know how long it took me to get from uh, Harrisonburg to you, Charlottesville, but it was not a long time. <laughs> I got him there, and um, he was able to go visit with his mom. My fire chief came in, and we, we sat down, and, and uh, you know, I was there when he told him and his sister that his dad was gone. Um, thank God his, his mom's doing much better. She's home now. Uh, but that, that was a struggle and a, a hardship that, you know, I was glad I could be there for him, but it, it takes a toll on everybody when there's a loss like that. And, um, you know, it just it brought me down, and I was still in this, this fog and this funk. But then that following week, I opened up the, the lesson book for the lesson that I was going to teach Sunday, and I hadn't wanted to teach since... February. I actually had Greg cover a few extra and I didn't go out of my way to ask him to, to let me teach because I just wasn't in me, wasn't wasn't enjoyable in, at that time. Um, but I opened up that lesson book that day and the lesson was there and I knew exactly what to say. I knew exactly what I was going to say, how the illustrations I was going to use. I went and got the sifter out of the kitchen and I was like, wow, God has showed back up in my life, and I can feel him for the first time in a long time. And that was brought me great joy during that week for planning for that. And I remember, like, man, if God's doing this in me and he's going to give me the words, I need to start praying for them in my class. And I did. I prayed every day for everyone in that class. And I'll never forget, Corey and Heather hadn't been to Sunday school yet. And I remember asking them out here on Wednesday night for them to come. Because I, I didn't know what was going to happen, but I knew God was in it. And they did. And several others told me that, you know, they didn't really have plans, but everybody just suddenly got up and got ready. And they were all, I think everybody on our roll was in that Sunday school class that morning. You're talking about ner I'm, I'm nervous now, but I was nervous then because that's a lot of eyeballs staring back at me. <laughs> um, but God blessed that Sunday. And several people told me that, that, uh, that that was a blessing for them when I shared that lesson. And, you know, so I, I was like, I came out of that, and I was like, man, I finally, I've weathered the storm. I've gotten out of that time of depression, that time of feeling so low that I, I didn't know what to do. And, well, not exactly, because come October, I was up for a promotion at work. And, you know, I go through the process, but I was confident in this one because I had the years of experience. I had all the training. The, the position was in my station. I, you know, I had the backing of the chiefs. Um, and I, I do remember when I walked in there to start that process, I was sitting in a chair in the lobby, and I bowed my head, and I was like, Lord, you know, confident this time I had this. But, Lord, I'll pray to you anyway. Be careful what you pray for. I said, not my will, Lord, whatever you want for me in this situation. If, if this is what you want for me, I'll take it. If it's not, I don't want it. 
Well, I didn't get it. <laughs> and when I went in there and they told me why and how I scored and, you know, I, I could make excuses all day, but I didn't do well. And, I, man, I was crushed. It, it really was hard. It was a painful experience. I was humbled to about that tall. I, you know, because the things I messed up on are the things I'm best at, and it just didn't make any sense. And I was crushed, and I was heartbroken. And I didn't always tell everybody this, but um, it, it was hard. Well, so then I, I get over that a little bit, and come, I'm finding out, well, at least I get to stay in my station. I get to keep the guy that's been with me for a long time and another guy that I've put a lot of time and effort into. And December 22nd, my battalion chief walks in the station, the guy that's been with me for six years, that I was beside him when the night his dad died, and says, I need you in a different station next year. I'm going to pull you out to this other station. We need you over here. And I was like, God, why? Why? This was my very good friend. I've already been humbled and crushed by because I didn't get the promotion. I've, I went through all this stuff at the college. Why? I'm trying. I'm teaching Sunday school. I'm trying to be a good Christian. Why? Why are you letting this happen to me? Well, I went home that next morning, and um, if you were here Christmas Eve or heard that my little spill, it was that morning I got off work and went home, and we were cleaning the house and having mom and dad over for Christmas, and uh, you know they get there, and luckily the food was ready, and uh, the power goes out, and we we. Um, we did get to eat and had a time there, and, and that was special. That was something I needed right then. And um, <clears throat> I remember waking, we, after they left, I went and found a generator and got doctored on it, got it running, got the furnace going back. So we, we slept that night with a generator running the furnace. And, uh, but we got up that next morning. It was Christmas Eve and had Christmas with my girls and Christy and I can't explain it, but God took it all away. That, that morning, it, all that failure, that, I don't know, perceived that people did, you know, whatever it was, was gone. I was so happy and blessed to be there with my wife and my kids. It was just a great, blessed time. I, it was one of those rare times in life where you see how lucky you are and you can appreciate it. I, I, I think those are rare sometimes, but... Um, <clears throat> it was a great time and then I, I was able to come here on uh, Christmas Eve and I didn't fall off the stage when I was talking and several people told me that they appreciated what I had to say and that I'd say that blew me away that you know what little bit I said was a blessing to somebody um, but um well, Satan did, you know, and I'm thinking, you know, finally, I can put all this behind me. And Satan did take one last jab at me. Um, I went back to work after Christmas, and that guy that I, one guy I would have left on my shift comes up to me before I go to bed, and uh, he says, hey, I got some news. He's from Maryland. He said, I'm applying to D.C. I'm going to go back to Maryland. I want to be around my family. And I was like, it didn't, it didn't, get me down as bad as the other stuff. Um, but 
I was like, man, I was bummed. I've put a lot of time and energy into this guy. Um, he just, you know, he's a good guy. I could trust him. He could help me train the, the other people, and now he's going to leave me too. Um, but I have the Bible app on my phone. And I, by the time I made it to bed that night, I, I lay down, and I don't know why, but at 12.30 every day they send out a verse of the day. And I'm laying there in my bunk, and I'm like, you know, just rolling the day through my head, and this guy's leaving me too. And my watch dings, and I look at it. The verse of the day that day was Jeremiah 29:11. For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, to give you an expected end. And it kind of just thrilled my soul that in that time, after all that that I've been through, God's got an expected end for me. <laughs> and I don't know how these new people play into it, but I know they are. Um, so just uh, to give you all an update, my, I started my new shift on Monday, and they all seem like good guys, and I'm hoping that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll uh, have a good time with them at work and uh, we'll, we'll go forward. But if you look back um, at the text, uh, Verse 30, let's start back. And, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. You know, Jesus was God here on earth. And his prayer was that Peter's faith fail not. Not that Peter didn't have to be sifted. And... I think that's a very powerful thought that Jesus is, God is going to allow us to be sifted, but he doesn't want our faith to fail. He wants us to stay strong in him. He's going to use that sifting, that trying, that, that, that pain sometimes to improve us, to make us what he needs for us. I, I, I firmly don't believe that pre, uh, Paul or Peter um, is the preacher at Pentecost where 3,000 are saved if he doesn't get sifted that day before Jesus goes to the cross. And, you know, I, I think there, there was probably many, many applications to that sifting and that process that Peter went through because I can't, I've always tried to put myself in his shoes. How, can you imagine you walked with Jesus? You knew him. You told him you wouldn't deny him, and you did it anyway. How crushing that must have been for him. How hard that must have been. But it changed him. You know, and the, and the first thing I think that probably came out of Peter, you know, I think he was feared for his life, partly, why he denied Christ. And that thing that, that came out of that sifter the first time, I don't think was that bad. It's something we're all born with. It's our will to live. I, I think that was the first thing that left Peter because if you look at his end of his life and how he died, he died a martyr's death on a cross upside down because he couldn't, wouldn't be crucified the way Jesus was. He wasn't worthy. He wasn't good enough. And that, that's, that's a bold statement and a, a powerful one if we think about it. And then I think the other thing that came out of Peter when he was being sifted is not something so pretty. I believe that was Peter's pride. I believe he was humbled in such a way that that pride left him for good. And how hard it must have been to get there, but I believe it for, for Peter to be the leader in the early church and for God to use him all the ways he needed to do him, to use him going forward all the way up to his death, 
Peter needed to endure that sifting. I, I apparently needed some sifting this year, last year. It, it wasn't easy. It was hard. Uh, I didn't enjoy it. It, it stole my joy. But I, I know I wouldn't be standing here tonight without it. I know God used it in my life. And, um, you know, he definitely humbled me. He, he, he you know, he took me down. And, but I wouldn't trade any of it because of the great joy that he's given me back. And I don't think I'll ever take it for granted again because that despair and that pit I was in, I'll never, Lord willing, take for granted a lot of the blessings I, I have in my life. So um, that's the only reason I, I would be in front of you tonight to share my horrible year, my, my pains, my failures, my ups and downs, is hopefully um, what it says at the end of verse 32. But it says, and when thou art converted, when you've, when you've been healed, when you got over, Peter, when you get over this failure you had, when you get over that pain you felt, that lowness you had, strengthen the brethren. And that's all I'm attempting to do here tonight. I feel like God gave me this story to share with you. And it's been hard. And I don't, like I said, I don't enjoy talking about myself or being in front of people. But God brought me through it. And I, I'm almost scared not to share it. Because, you know, I'm, I'm supposed to strengthen the brother. And that's what I'm trying to do. So if you look, and I'm almost done. But if you look over at First uh, Peter 1 verse 7. And it says that the uh, trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perishes through, though it be tried with fire might be found unto praise and honor and glory of the appearing of Jesus Christ. And then over in 1 Peter 4 verses 12 and 13 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing hath happened unto you, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. I thank the Lord that I've got my joy back tonight, and in the process, he got me here in front of you, and I hope Hope this has been a blessing in some way to somebody. Um, but as I was going through this lesson or what I was going to say tonight, the song kept coming to my mind, and I'm not going to sing for you, so don't even worry about it. But um, he's still working on me. I've been singing this song all week. So there, now there really ought to be a sign upon my heart. Don't judge me yet. There's an unfinished part. But I'll be perfect just according to his plan. I'm fashioned by the master's loving hands. The mirror of his word, the reflections that I see, they make me wonder why he never gave up on me. But he loves me as I am and helps me when I pray. Remember, he's the potter and I'm the clay. So, I, it, it has not been easy. Um, 
but I, I think it happened for a reason. And when you ask for his will to be done and not yours, uh, <laughs> be ready for what he gives you. But he, he never left me, and the peace I've had through this year, I can't explain other than it's him. And I hope it's been helpful to somebody.